We are, um, I wanted to give you an update on uh, the Papua New Guinea um, trip. Uh, like I said, there was 11 from our church, as most of you know, uh, that went to Papua New Guinea. And um, there's a picture of the group. Um, that is obviously before they left. <laughs> and then there's some, uh, some more pictures, but they, uh, they're doing well. We received emails, um, uh, a lot of the emails I received were this morning, uh, things seem to be going well. If you did not know, Papua New Guinea is about 14 hours ahead of us, so they've already had their Sunday, they're into Monday now, um, so um, we need to continue to pray for them. The cool thing about that is, is that they, um, they come back on July 4th, uh, and so they will leave Papua New Guinea on July 4th. And then they'll reach the States on July 4th. So they get to celebrate the holiday twice. Are you jealous? Yeah. I wonder if they took any fireworks on the... Ah, uh, probably not. Uh, but they are, uh, they're having a really good time. Um, one thing, my, our pastor texted me um, this, about midnight. Uh, obviously, I was not awake when he texted me. But uh, he said that uh, he, this is good positive news. Um, it was um, probably, I don't know if it's because he missed the uh, three of us staff members that were still here or uh, if he just is excited about what they're doing here. But he said, staff mission trip to Papua New Guinea in 2018. Everyone will go as a condition of your continued employment. <laughs> Spread the word. So... I thought I would tell everybody that on staff that uh, we're going to Papua New Guinea in 2018 at, unless we want to find other employment. So uh, I'm excited about that, but uh, I, I, I am, I've never had an opportunity to travel outside the States uh, other than uh, we went to Canada to, for Niagara Falls for a vacation once, but that was before 9-11, and I didn't need a passport. Uh, so uh, this, I've never had a passport before, so this will be uh, interesting for me. I'm excited, actually, uh, because uh, I've never done that, and I've always wanted to go. It's not that I'm afraid. It's just uh, I've never had an opportunity. So it sounds like the pastor is creating an opportunity for us, and I'm excited. I truly am. Um, well, it's good to be here with you this morning. I am oh, also, I wanted to mention, forgot, the uh, youth is coming back from Atlanta and I had greetings from uh, Nathan this morning via text, Pastor Nathan, and he sent this picture this morning. Uh, they're doing great, and he asked for your prayers for con that the Lord would continue to move in the lives of the young students that went, and they, they would continue to carry on as they return, and God would use them in a mighty way to keep his fire lit in their lives. So uh, continue to pray for them. Pray that they make it safely back today. They left this morning, uh, and they should arrive sometime later this afternoon. So they're traveling back today. But um, I wanted to mention that. Uh, and I think that's all uh, that until the announcement's at the end. Just making sure I cover everything. It's good to be with you today. Um, usually I'm upstairs with the kids, and uh, so when Pastor asked me to preach, uh, it was probably about in April, I think I've been preparing and asked the Lord to kind of share with me what he would want to say. And it's funny that even, uh, even in pastors, for those of you that may not know this, 
even in pastors, the Lord uh, uses, as we prepare to deliver a message, the Lord uses what we're preparing to really impact our lives. And I'll tell you, I, I have to say that over the last several weeks, the Lord has revealed not only this message, but he has revealed in me uh, anew uh, of things that he just wants to instill in me. And I appreciate that, and I love when the Lord just opens up his Holy Spirit and works and continues to grow. Um, and um, I, I hope you know that pastors aren't perfect. We are um, doing our best to uh, survive like you are. We have the same uh, issues and struggles that you do. And uh, so I, uh, um, I want you to know that and know that the Lord is um, really working on me and has convicted me of a few things in this message today. Um, as you sat down and came in, you've probably seen one of these uh, or many of these on your pews that's a t- paper tape measure. You're going to need that in just a moment, so make sure you get one and you have it next to you because I'm going to refer to that uh, in just a few minutes. If you do not have one, uh, look around. There's probably one in front of you or beside you. Uh, smack your neighbor and say, hey, hand me that one. I need one. So uh, make sure everyone gets one of these. You're going to need that in just a moment. Uh, but I want you to have that close by, giving you a heads up on that. Um, about six years ago, this was uh, 2010, um, I grew up in the church. And growing up in the church and becoming a Christian and from a very early age, I grew up and understood and knew that uh, what salvation meant. And I knew that it, it, it was a big deal. And I knew that God saved me and, uh, and all of that stuff. But about six years ago, someone drew something on um, a whiteboard like I'm going to do for you. I'm sure that they did a much better job than drawing than I do. But um, it was something that really impacted uh, my life and my understanding about God's salvation and what he does. And it's simple, um, a triangle. And at the top, the word God. God's always at the top. He's, he's above and he, he, he loves us and he's, he's watching over everything. He's created everything. And then here, I'm going to put identification. So I'm going to put ID. And then over here, is obey. My wife says obey is with an E, not a, uh, not an A. And I says I did write an E, so that's how good my handwriting is. You can't see my E's from my A's. But um, so God, ID, and be- obey. Now here's the way I understood this, and I'm probably talking to three different groups maybe in this room. One might be one you're like me, and you grew up in the church, and you had. And you asked ask the Lord in your heart, and you were saved at a very young age. And you probably could maybe come up here and explain this a little better than I can, but you know and understand what I'm about to say. Uh, there might be another group in here that maybe you're an, a young Christian, one who just recently came to know the Lord. And if that's the case, and you're here, this hopefully will be a very good tool for you, something that you can help, that will help you process uh, what God did in your life and how God works in your life. And then there might be a group in here that maybe have not asked the Lord into your heart. Maybe you're seeking 
you're here today, you're in church, and, and maybe you're, you're seeking and wanting to know what is this Christianity all about, and maybe you're asking questions. And if that's the case, I hope too that this might be enlightful for you, and you might understand, and it might help you. But um, this is, this is kind of what was drawn on the board for me. One thing that I always kind of thought, and I'm not faulting any, um, any teacher in my past, uh, any Bible scholar in my past that through all of my classes, I was ordained as an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene in 2009. I went through all the classes. I did all the training for that. And, uh, and it was in 2010 that this really came clear to me in a conference. And I want to share it with you. Because when I grew up, I grew up knowing that God, when I asked God in my heart, and there's scriptures that tell us if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I knew that as a kid, and I knew that Christ cleanses me. He's the one that saved me. It's only through Christ that I'm saved. It's the blood on Calvary that saved my sins and changes my destiny from hell to heaven. And I rejoice in that. But a lot of times growing up, I, I felt that when God saved me, um, I needed to obey. Needed to obey the laws, and, 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 and it's good to know the word and, and what's right and wrong. It helps you grow. But I knew, I thought that, you know, if I, if I obey the Lord, if I am good enough, if I do the right things, then I can have God's identity. He can live inside of me, and I'm good. So if that is your, if that is your understanding of salvation, what I want you to do is I want you to rip it up, I want you to throw it away. Because that's what I understood. And, and out of that comes a lot of guilt. God has no part of guilt God loves us so much. And when we confess our sins, and we are Christian, and when Christ lives in us, he immediately gives us his identity. We are adopted by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And his identity lives. You're a representative of Jesus. If you ask Christ in your life, you represent Christ. And that's an amazing thing. And you have to understand and fully comprehend that the same God who created, who hangs the moon and the star, the same God who created this world, the same God who in Psalms 139 says he, took, he created you in a private place. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. The same God that knew what he was doing when he made every part of you loves you and want you to know that at salvation, you have God's identity. He lives in you. And it's out of God's identity, when you understand and fully know that Christ lives in you, then you know everything that he saved you from, everything that he just washed away, that by his grace it was free. We didn't have to earn it. He just gave it to us freely with his death on the cross. And 
He loves you so much. It's out of all of that understanding that we want to obey and we want to do what God wants us to do and we want to create and please our Father and Creator. That's the way it works. It, a lot of times I, I got it backwards. I have to admit, even in my early ministry years, I, I got it backwards because I thought, you know, God loves me, but I have to obey. Oh, I messed up. Oh, man, I missed a whole week of family devotions with my family. I'm a failure. God does not want us to live a life of guilt and shame. He wants us to live a victorious life. So understanding this is very important to start where I want to go in this message because I want us to understand this. I want us to be on the same page because God loves us so much that he wants the best for us and God doesn't want to see you live in shame and guilt and defeat. We represent Jesus. Because his identity lives with us. Even a, ch- a child got it. There's a story of a, a five-year-old girl. Her mother picks her up from classes in the children's department, a lot like here. She picks her up, and they start driving home. Her child, her daughter's sitting in the back seat, and she looks in the rearview mirror at her child's face, and, her, and the girl looks puzzled. She's like, she, she looks confused. And the mother says, to the child. She says, honey, what, what's wrong? What are you thinking about? She goes, well, mom, I'm thinking about the lesson that we learned in church today. And she says, well, okay, well, what was the lesson? She goes, well, we talked about God, how big he is, how he hangs the moon and the stars, and he, he, he just is so big. He created everything, and that he cares about each and every one of us, and he's just an awesome big God. And I just can't imagine how big he is. And she says, yeah, that's true. And she says, well, we also learned, the daughter says, we also learned that, uh, my, uh, that I'm really small, but I know that if I ask Jesus into my heart and I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me, and he saves me, and he comes and he lives in my heart. And the mother looked in the rearview mirror and said, well, honey, that's correct. That's true. But what do you not get? And she says, well, mom, if God is so big and he's so huge and he created everything and I'm so small and I ask God to come and live in my heart, wouldn't God show through? We can learn from children. If we have God's identity, he shows through your life and everything that you do. If you totally understand and know that you have God's power through the Holy Spirit to defeat anything that comes your way by his power, not your own, then you know and understand that God has given you his identity. And you understand that out of his identity that you want to please him and share the love of God around you. I had it backwards, folks. But thank God, he used the conference to kind of help me understand the truth that I can walk around victorious with his power.
That's awesome news. I hope, I hope you know what God has saved you from. I hope you know if you've asked Christ in your life and maybe, maybe you, you have kind of lost touch. You've been a Christian so long that maybe uh, you've just lost concept that God is so great and he saved you from so much. I just pray that you would, you would go back to that place where you were saved and you understand and know and ask the Lord to reveal that to you and, and help, or help him to, or have him help you understand and know what he saved you from. Okay, get out your tape measures. I want you to open them up. They're like folded 16 billion times, but it's really long. Um, one side has inches. The other side has centimeters, and it goes up to 184. Um, I want you to find the centimeter side that goes up to 184. I want you to open it up, hold it in front of you. Everybody got that? Very good. Now, here's what I want you to do first. I want you to find the number on this tape measure that is your age. All right? Find your age by number, how old you are, by your age. So I want you to find it. And at your age, I want you to take your fingers and put them together, and I want you to rip it right there on your age, okay? Just tear it right there. Yep, your age. Nobody, nobody's over 184 years old, so it's, it's far enough. The centimeter side. Garnet says it doesn't go far enough. She's on the... She must be older than 72, so... All right, so did you rip it? All right, so in your left, should be your left hand, you should have uh, the part that is zero to your age. Okay, you got that? I want you to take that part. This is fun, okay? Take that part because it's your past, and I want you to toss it over your shoulder, okay? Toss it over your shoulder, yep. Now, the person in front of you... or dropped their stuff and it probably landed in your lap or on the floor, don't pick up somebody else's past, okay? <laughs> Just leave it there on the floor or set it down if it fell in your lap, all right? So, all right, that's our past. It's, it's the part of our life that we've lived already. Good or bad, we can't do anything about it. It's in the past, right? Everybody got that so far? All right, now, I want you to take your tape measure, what you have left, now, this is important. I want you to find the age in which you believe God will continue to keep you here on this earth, and you may once, you will then at that age pass away. Now, I want you to be optimistic before you rip it. I want, you to, I want to talk to you a couple of things. Because between services, I had somebody say that uh, they felt like they lived longer than they should have, so they had to go backwards. I was like... All right, that's not what I want you to do, folks. I want you to find the number that you believe that is a pretty good age that you think that the Lord will... I know we're guessing here. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But I want you to find an age that you feel like, hey, uh, I, I hope that the Lord will allow me to live this, this long, okay? I want you to find that. And at that spot, I want you to rip it. All right? All right? 
So now in your right hand, should be your right hand, um, you should have at that age clear up to the 184. I want you to take that and I want you to either set it down at your feet or by your side. This is infinity and beyond. This is eternity in heaven. All right, we're going to set that aside for right now, okay? So what you should still be holding in your hand is from your age right now to when you feel like maybe you'll be able to live, okay? So this is your time um, here on earth that you have remaining, okay? Wow, some of these kids have really long tape measures. All right, that's good. So... I know some of them are really short and some of them are really long. That's fine. This is you, okay? Don't be looking at your neighbor and says, wow, you don't have much time left, all right? So keep your tape measure. All right, now I want you to kind of set this close to you. Uh, We're going to keep referring to this, but I want you to kind of set it aside. This is going to represent your life. You have a story, right? You have a story. Some of your story involves... Some of your story involves um, others. Some of your story involves hurt that you're dealing with even right now. Some of your story may involve uh, crazy family members. And uh, I, I know, you can laugh. Everybody's got crazy family members. And if you're one that says, uh, I, I, I don't have any crazy family members, um, you might want to... You might not want to ask your family members who they think the crazy family members. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, anyway, so this is your life. This is what you have to live. This is what you have to offer this earth that God has put you in. And, uh, and this is where you have the ability to make a mark in this world that you live in. I want you to think about that for a second. This is what you have left to contribute in your work. Now, one day after this, you're going to spend eternity in heaven, and this is not going to matter. But for right now, this is the life that you have to live left on this earth, approximately. So I want us to to, to think about that, all right? Now, I want to read an article with you. I I found this article on Facebook um, a couple weeks ago. Now, this article, I'll tell you, is I'll I'll give you some some information right now. It's a little disturbing, okay? It's disturbing, but I want to read it because I want us to understand and know that not everybody views Christians as people that want to help them. And the the title of the article is, Why People Don't Really Like Christians. And then in parentheses it says, And Why I Don't Really Blame Them. Okay? Uh, This article was probably written by, reading the whole article, it was written by a missionary pastor who travels a lot of places. He refers to many places that he travels and the encounters that he's had with many people. Uh, But he's a Christian who's sharing the gospel of Christ. And um, he is, uh, he's just giving us testimony of what he's seen and what he hears from people who are not believers in their opinion of Christianity. All right, are you ready? Now brace yourself. If you have high blood pressure like I do, uh, 
it, it might make your blood pressure rise a little bit. A prostitute came to me, wrenching straits, homeless, sick, unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. Through sobs and tears, she told me she had been renting out her daughter, two years old, to a man interested in sex. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn on her own in one night. She had to do it, she said. I could hardly bear hearing her sordid story. For one thing, it made me legally liable. I'm required to report cases of child abuse. I had no idea what to say to this woman. At last, I asked her if she had ever thought about going to church for help. I will never forget the look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she cried. Why would I ever go there? I was already feeling terrible about myself. They didn't, I don't need to be made, I don't need, I don't, I just don't need to be made, uh, you just make me feel worse, is what she said. He says, this struck me about, what struck me about this story is that the woman at the well, much like this prostitute, fled towards Jesus, not away from him. The worst of persons felt about, the worse the person felt about themselves, the more likely they saw Jesus as a refuge. Has the church lost that gift? Eventually, the down and out, evidently the down and out who flocked to Jesus when he lived here on earth no longer are welcomed by his followers. What has happened? He goes on and writes in the article that other instances and cases where he said, had conversation and with people, and they say, well, why are you here? And he says, I'm a Christian. And the reaction of some people who say, oh, Christians are a bunch of uh, lunatics. It's all baloney. It got me thinking. I read the article because I thought, you know, what are we as Christians? How are we representing Jesus? If, if Jesus, if we have the identity of Christ, how are we in our time here on earth, how are we representing him? Because in Scripture, we read so many times in the New Testament the story of Jesus and how he loved and how he hung out with people who were drunk and prostitutes like I'm, we're going to read the story of the woman at the well here in a minute, and, which is an awesome story telling how Jesus reacts to people who are hurting, whose life is all messed up. And I wonder how many of us as Christians who know that Christ saved us from a fiery hell, how many of us are being a positive impact on lives who are seeking? Are we pushing people away from Jesus in our judgment and our reaction? Or are we loving people to attract them to the one who saved us in which we don't deserve, 
but God freely gave us his salvation, our salvation through him. This is, this is really a serious thing because I see it everywhere. And, and I have to say, you're a witness to Christ in everything you do. And, and i got to be honest with you. When I, when I see what Christian friends of mine say on social media, sometimes I cringe. Sometimes I just want to delete my Facebook account altogether because I cannot stand that people who represent Christ, that know that they have the identity of Christ, what they publish on social media. Politics are big right now. Politics is, everybody has an opinion. I have an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. And Politics right now is just destroying Christians that are just totally, they don't even understand and know what they're saying. Because it's not about politics, it's about Christ. You know, eternity, we're not going to live here forever in case you didn't know. We get to spend eternity in heaven. And it's our job to point people to know that one day we can go to heaven. We don't have to live uh, in, in a in a world where there's, they're fighting over who's going to be president and this would be a better president than this one. And, and we're not, we don't have to worry about um, hurt, sorrow, sickness. And I get it. Many of us in here, maybe that's a raw thing. Maybe you're going through the trenches of something very serious in your life. And I get it. I get it. Jesus says that we, in this world, we will have trouble. He didn't say, if you follow me, things are going to go peachy and everything's going to turn out okay. Nobody's going to die. Life is going to be good. Relationships will be healthy. He didn't say that. He said, in this world, we'll have trouble. And he goes on to say, but I've overcome the world. So follow me. So if we have Christ and he's, he, our identity is, his identity is in us, then everything that we do should pour out of that. It should overflow, like the girl said. It would shine through. And let me say this, because this is a saying that kind of catchy, and I like it, that I've heard many years ago. If Jesus brought you to it, he will see you through it. Think about that for a second. No matter what you're facing, right now it might be hurt. If Jesus brought you to it, he will see you through it. See, we've got to understand that, that we have Christ's identity. And I get it. You have opinions. And let me tell you something. I, I'm not one up here to tell you that i got it all together because I, I am an opinionated person, Okay? And um, if you ask me privately, I'll tell you my opinions. But you know what? That's not what it's about. I'm not going to get in an in, in argument with someone about my opinions but when that, that opinion doesn't really even matter in the scope of things because one day we're going to leave this earth and we're going to spend eternity in heaven. It's all about my attitude 
And can I be a Christian that points people to Jesus, not to the world? So people on the outside sometimes look at Christians. What do they think when they look at you? What do you post on Facebook? Is it things that are uplifting and encouraging? I want to show you two scriptures. One's found in Psalms, chapter 34, verse 12. And uh, this will be a response from you to answer this question. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? All right. Let's try that again because I think that was a little weak. Let's go back. Let me go back to that. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Good, you're still awake. Uh, Verse 13. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. I hear chuckling. Sometimes you wish you could just erase that verse, right? Oh. We represent Christ, folks. Let's look at another verse. One that I memorized when I was a kid and, and I love, it's in, found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Oh, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own identification folks he has identified you as his own um, guaranteeing that you will be saved in the day of redemption get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. Did we forget that part? Sometimes we're easy, easy to, to judge other people and condemn and say, you're wrong, I'm right. Be opinionated. It pushes people away from Christ. Our job as the believers is to know and understand that Christ lives in our heart. His love shines through our very veins. He gives us the fruits of the Spirit. It's not us. I don't think I have any of the fruits of the Spirit on my own. A lot of times I'm, I'm just thankful that the Lord allows me not to say what I'm thinking in my head. You feel that way sometimes? We represent Christ. If you are a Christian, know and understand that. I can't express that enough, and I know I'm repeating myself, but I want you to understand, if you fully understand the identity of Christ, it, it's, it's a joy to obey It's a joy to encourage another. You know that if you encourage other people, people want to be around you? Some of you, that might not be a good thing. I'm an introvert, so I don't like when people are around me. But uh, it's a blessing. If you haven't tried it, man, just, just try going a day 
and encouraging everyone you see. If something negative comes up, say, no, I'm going to be positive. Try to look for the best in people because that's what Jesus did. Which, which leads us to our story in John chapter 4, the first 40 verses, or first 20 verses. It's the woman at the well. Jesus and his disciples are uh, they're traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee. The shortest route to travel to there because they're walking and you always want to try to find the shortest route when you're walking, right? Is through Samaria. As they reach Samaria, they, Jesus stops at Jacob's well to rest. His disciples go on to a village called Sychar to get some food in return so that they can eat. This is about noon. It's in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day. And a woman from Samaria comes to uh, the well to draw water. She's done this because she's an outcast from her people. And she is, uh, because of her lifestyle. And she is coming to draw water because nobody else comes in the heat of the day. And she wouldn't have to deal with people. But she ran into somebody named Jesus. And Jesus said to her, he, he did three things that broke Jewish custom. First of all, he spoke to a woman that was not his wife. Second, he spoke to a Samaritan woman who the Samaritans were condemned from the Jewish people. They were looked down upon. They were not respected. They were lower class. And the third thing is, Jesus, at one point, asked the woman for a drink from the well. And that would have been um, considered unclean in the Jewish customs to drink after a woman from a jar or a cup. But Jesus asked the woman, he says, will you give me a drink? She's kind of taken by, back by that because she knew that Jesus was a Jew. And she said, you know, uh, why are you asking me for a drink? You don't even have anything to draw get water from. And he says, well, if you only knew the water I can give you, because if you drink this water, you're going to be thirsty again. But the water I give you is eternal life. Living water. The woman was kind of taken back by that and uh, wondered why, what, what does that mean? And then they started talking about, well, first Jesus says to the woman, I, I, know, I know your past. I know that you've had five, five husbands and the, the man you're living with now is not your husband. So he revealed to her her sinful past. She's shocked by this. And she comes across talking about how she worships. And Jesus and her talk about the, the styles of worship 
And then the woman at the well, who is just totally taken back by this man named Jesus, says, well, one day, we're we're waiting for the Messiah. And one day when he comes, it's going to be great because he's going to save us. And Jesus tells her, I'm the Messiah you're looking for. The woman is in shock. She's starting to ramble through all, or run through her mind all the conversations she's had with Jesus during this time. She's just totally, this is not the normal, this is not a normal Jewish person. This is someone who uh, knows and understands, and this is someone who can reveal her past. This is someone who is different. He's the Messiah. About that time, the disciples came with the food, and they see him talking to a a Samaritan woman, and they're like in shock. Why is Jesus doing this? The woman leaves her jar at the well and goes back to her city, which she is rejected from, and everybody in her city knows the past of this woman. They know her reputation. She's a prostitute. They know that she's done evil things. They know that she's... um, She's just not lived a very good life, and she's probably worn, and she has no refuge because uh, the people that she lives with rejects her, and the people of the Jewish culture rejects her. She has no place to go, no refuge, but she found refuge in this man named Jesus. And when she found this man, she came back. And even though the people knew her past, she started to celebrate and uh, say, I met a man who is the Messiah. And it must have been pretty convincing because the people in that community were convinced that this woman is telling the truth and that there is something about this man named Jesus. And they went back to the well and they begged Jesus, will you come and stay and teach with us for days? And lives were changed. Now, what would happen if Jesus just said, oh, you're a Samaritan woman, I'm not going to talk to you. You're the low of lows. I know your past. You're not worthy. That's not what Jesus did. And because Jesus loved and he shared her past and says, you know what? I can give you living water. That when you drink this water, you'll never be thirsty again because I am the Messiah. And I have come to bring, to save, and to forgive. And she knew it. She clung. She clung to Jesus. I'm wondering, as a representative of Christ... As Christ living in us, and as we're overwhelmed by what he's done in our lives because he saved us, I wonder how many of us can say, I am so, I want to present God's love so much. I don't want to reject anybody. No matter what your past is. No matter what you look like. No matter what you've done, I know that God can save you. Because just like you, Psalms 139 still applies. That person that you see, he knitted together in a private place. He created that person just like you. 
He has a plan for that person. They've gotten confused with the plan. They don't, maybe don't understand it. But are we pushing those people away from Jesus? Or are we drawing them to him just like when Jesus did? All of the people that have a sinful past came to Jesus. So this article that I read, there's a lot of truth in it. The church is you. You know that, right? The church is you when you go to work on Monday. The church is you when you talk to your neighbors. The church is you is when you're typing something on social media. The church is you when you're talking to your crazy family members. What do they see? Do they see Jesus? Do they see the Redeemer? Are they wanting to ask you more questions because you're so attracting? Are you judgmental? Do you push them away? Do you shame them? This is important, church. We're living in a lot of hurtful and hard times. A lot of people are hurting out there. And I got to tell you, I feel I, I fail in this so many times. Sometimes I just don't know what to say when people are hurting. Sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's awkward when I'm around people that are not like me and I can't find the words to say. But I've learned this in my walk with Christ, that it's at those times that God smiles and says, Brian, I'm sorry that you're uncomfortable, but it's not about you. Allow me to give you the words to say. Allow me to speak in through you. Allow me to show you how to love because I don't know how to love people that are not like me. Allow me. Jesus speaks into me. He does it every day. And the more I seek and understand and try to know and understand that I have his identity and that he walks and he talks with me, the more I dig into this part of Jesus and relationship with him, the more I seek him, the more he reveals in me that he wants to use me. And then I got, he put me here for this long to make a difference. I can't do it my, on my own. I got to understand and know this concept that he lives inside of me and I have his power. I don't have to do it alone. It's by his grace because he loves me. One last scripture I want to share with you, and it's found in John chapter 3, verse 16. And you may know this scripture. 
It's one we, probably many of us in here, memorize from an early, when we were very early in our lives. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In verse 17, sometimes we just don't go on and continue to read. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. It's not our job to judge the world. It's not our job to create opinions and speak negative. It's our job to love the world like Jesus did through his eyes. Sometimes you, you just have to come to a place where you, you say, Lord, just give me your eyes for just one moment. Probably familiar with that song. Allow me to see. Because I struggle with this. Allow me to see, Lord Jesus, how you can use me. Put people in my path that I can overflow your love, what you've done for me, and I can share with others. I have to tell you, even this week, something I struggle with on Thursday. On Thursday, it was around 4.30. I had an appointment at 5.30. I was trying to finish up uh, making a game downstairs, cutting some um, PVC for, uh, for camp next week. Um, and the doors were all locked. I was the only one in the building. And I heard a tap on the door. And I looked up, and I could tell right away that it was, um, it was a homeless man. So I went to the Lord, and I immediately started praying, Lord, first of all, protect me, <laughs> but help me to understand and know. He was carrying something in his hand. And, and I, I got to admit, part of my flesh says, all right, I hope that's not a gun. I'm going to open the church, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to this guy. I hope that if he shoots me, somebody finds my body soon. Those are some thoughts that I was thinking, but I thought, Lord, just give me something to say, what to do. And through our conversation, I brought him down to my office. I learned so much about him, but what I didn't understand is some of the decisions in his life why he was in this cycle. He'd been homeless for 15 years. I tried to give him some, some ways that, did you try this? Did you do this? Uh, because, you know, because he did have a Bible. The th what was in his hand was his Bible. Did I, I don't know if I said that. It was in a plastic bag, and it was a Bible. He only had a Bible. He didn't have a change of clothes. He only had a Bible. And he said, um, he was saying, like, Jesus was born he was thankful. A lot of the things he said didn't make sense. 
a lot of things that uh, he shared, I didn't understand, I can't relate to. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help him. He was wanting a ride to Yellow Springs. And he wanted someone to, he wanted me to pay for a hotel night for him to stay in. And so I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't know how to help him. I didn't know if I should pay for the hotel or whether I shouldn't. I didn't understand. I didn't know. I says, all right, I can give you a ride to Yellow Springs. I was like, that's no big deal. So we got in my car and we started to head to Yellow Springs and uh, he noticed in my rearview mirror I have a directional, which direction we're going. And uh, he, um, he says, we're going north. I was like, yeah, Yellow Springs is north. He's like, I wanted to go south. I need to go to Lebanon. It's like, well, okay, Lebanon south. Um, but I really don't have time to take you to Lebanon and get back. I have an appointment at 5.30. He was like, okay. I said, so do, what do you want? Do you want me to stop? He says that he was going south. He didn't know where he was going. He was just going to go south. And I kept saying, man, my heart pleads for you because you're, you're, you're lost. You don't know where you're going. And I tried to, tried to figure out a way. He already knew he knew a lot of things about the Bible. He was saying positive things. And I thought, how, how do I help him? And I ended up saying, do you want me to turn around and go back? He says, no, take me to Yellow Springs. I'm like, okay. So I took him to Yellow Springs and I took him downtown and he said, this will be fine. He thanked me many, many times. He kept calling me Pastor Brian. You're so nice. A lot of people aren't like you. You, bet you. you were nice to me. Thank you for being so... He's a very polite guy. I asked him, how does he survive with clothes and meals? And I gave him a couple waters because it was hot out. And I just didn't know how to help him. So, folks, I, I struggle with this. I can't really tell you more of the story than that, but that was it. I, I, I dropped him off in Yellow Springs, and... And I don't know where he is today, but I know that God wants us to be a light to those people. And, and it's part of the times I struggle with, how do I help someone that's not like me? And you, you might struggle with that too. Maybe not. Maybe you're all extroverts and you like everybody and you do everything everybody asks you to do and everything's good. But for me, that's not my comfort level but I know that God allows me to be stretched even when I'm out of my comfort level because he loves me and he wants me to share the identity of Christ that's in me I hope you gain something from this this morning. This has been passionate on my heart um, for, for many weeks. But I just want to wrap up by saying that if you refer to your tape measure, this is what you have on this, on this life, in this life. How are you using it? Are you being an encourager? sharing the love of Jesus I hope so 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, sometimes I just don't know what to do and what to say. But I want to just thank you. In those times of weakness, the times that I have no words, it's you that gives me words. It's you who works through my life. Because I can't do it on my own. So, Lord, may I always remember what you've done for me, what you saved me from, so that I can be a witness in this short time that you've put me here on this earth. A lot of times I don't say the right things. But, Lord, if I seek you, help me. As we mess up sometimes, Lord, give us strength to understand and know. May we learn. May we not get defeated, but may we understand and know that you love us and that we want to share your love because of what you've done for us. We give you praise, honor, and glory for everything. It's in your holy, matchless name that we pray these things. The name of Jesus. Amen.